0: Chapter 26. If you don't have your Bible or you don't have your phone bright lighting up for you. you can look on the screen. We're gonna. I'm gonna skip through some of this for the sake of time, and we're gonna read the first six verses of this chapter, and then we're gonna jump down to verse 13. Hallelujah! We've been saying for a few weeks. Some of us that have been talking and sharing uh, other means, God is up to something. Yes. God is up to something, and if we're not careful, we will get distracted by all the things that are going on around in the world, and we'll miss that God is up to something bigger than us, more than we can do all by ourselves, amen, and and extraordinary things, and so God brought me to this text, this chapter, and to a word for you. In some ways, it would even be prophetic for your life, so get ready. Amen. Would you just tell your neighbor, even now, you, I've been doing this a lot, but I want you to decree and declare to them, God is up to something. God Glory to God. God. Now, 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 say it like you really mean it. You can put that on. Now, say it like you really mean Say, neighbor, neighbor. God, God is up to something. Yeah, that's a little better. Hallelujah. He's up to something. Glory to God. I'm going to tell you God's about to take you to your Rehoboth. You might not know what that is yet, but I'll give you a sneak peek. It means your wide place. Your, Your wide place. So get ready. Get ready. Hallelujah. Genesis 26, verse 1. Oh, my, look at this. There was a famine in the land. What are they talking about on the news all the time? There was a famine in the land. They keep telling us the famine's coming. If it ain't in food yet, it sure is in our wallet. There was a famine in the land. Besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham, and Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerar. Then the Lord appeared to him and said, do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land of which I shall tell you. In other words, stay where I told you. Isn't there something about being in the right place at the right time? Come on, anybody else? There's something about being in the right place at the right time. You wouldn't have met the love of your life had you not have been at the right place at the right time oh yeah mickey never would have would have met my sister and been blessed had he not been at the right place at the right time glory to god some of us wouldn't be where we are right now had we not have been at the right place at the right time when you when you walked up in that church your wretched uh, trifling self <laughs> all the mess that we were but we were at the right place at the right time, yes. Look at what he says in verse 3. Dwell in this land. Uh, and I will be with you and I will bless you. In other words, if you do what I tell you to do, I'm going to be with you and I'm going to bless you. For, for to you and your descendants, I will give all these lands for you and your children and their children. I'm going to give all these lands. And I will perform the oath, which I swore to Abraham, your father. In other words, I'm going to keep my word. And I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. I will give to your descendants all these lands and in your seed, say in your seed, Uh uh-huh, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So, Isaac dwelt in Gerar." Just pause for a moment, then we're gonna jump down to verse 13. Understand, Isaac has had an encounter while he's in the place of Gerar. Understand that what parts that we're not reading is he had an, an encounter, but he lies. I know nobody in here ever lies. I know God's people never tell a lie. Look at this. God's given him a promise. He's saying, I want to use you. And then in, 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 this is when in one verse, he's saying, I'm going to keep my promises. I'm going to do for you what I promised your daddy. And then and just in a couple verses later, he gets caught. He catches himself because he lies. He lies because he doesn't want Abimelech, the king, to know that Rebekah is his wife. So he lies and tells the king, nope, she's my sister. But the king notices him flirting with his wife. He says, you know. Many men I know would flirt with their sister or they're not supposed to. Like that, he catches him in a lie. But yet God has made a promise that he wants to use him in this moment. Hallelujah. Lying about who his wife was and it's his sister. Glory to God. But then watch what God does in spite of his sins. Oh God, I just love it. In spite of what he did, in spite of his choices, watch this, verse 13, the man began to prosper. Oh, I know, this is going to shake your theology all up today. The man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. Can we just see that again? Focus on that verse and the man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous oh my thank you jesus so in one verse he's a liar and in the next verse he's about to become very prosperous oh aren't you glad god is the god that he is amen and he'll bless you sometimes in spite of you and your messed up self amen he has a bigger agenda Uh, Amen. One minute, there's a famine in the land. But in other words, he's saying, if you'll stay in the place where I tell you, I'll feed you in the midst of the famine. Oh, amen. Praise God. I'm grateful you're with me today, sister. She's hearing what the word is saying. You and I can be in in a famine right now, but God's saying, I will feed you in the famine don't worry, don't fear don't get caught up and distracted by CNN Fox, Newsmax or any of the rest he's saying listen to my word I will be with you You you're coming into prosperity you're going to be in it and I'm going to make you even more prosperous that's what his word says now look at these final two verses thank you Jesus we're fixing to preach for he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and a great number of servants. Oh, yes. So the Philistines envied him. How many of you know sometimes your friends will become enemies? Sometimes your own family will turn on you, and they'll love you today, and then they get jealous of you because you got successful, because you got blessed, because you've been a sower. Amen. Now you're starting to reap your harvest, and they don't like you very much. You've lost friends. Oh, see. yes. Yeah, see, Isaac understands that he understands so the Philistines envied him i'm going to show you what to do with those people today now the Philistines now the Philistines had stopped up all the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham his father and they had filled them with the earth and Abimelech said to Isaac go away from us for you are much mightier than we oh Sometimes favor just isn't fair. I preached that once. Favor just isn't fair. Would you just say that? Say, I'm favored, and it's just not fair. The next time someone gets jealous of you, just remember that. Shrug that off. Don't let their envy get you caught up. You are favored, and sometimes it just isn't fair. It's not your job to explain it. Just walk it out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Yes, it's going to be good today. God is up to something. What he's saying today is I'm working even when you don't see that I'm working. God was working even when we don't see that he was working. He was working in the text. Uh, I'm going to show some things to you today that I believe will help you and I and where we're at. Glory to God. Both, I, I want you to consider a couple things while I lay this foundation. That both Abraham and Isaac are people on a journey, and many years go by before they have stability in their life. How many have ever been through seasons where uh, things are rough and tough, and years go and go by before you have stability? Amen. I mean, years go by while you're in debt to your neck. Years go by with a broken family. Years go by with a broken marriage, and then one day finally you wake up and there's stability. Amen. Abraham and Isaac both lived a life like that, where there was stuff going on all around them, but they were on a journey. Hallelujah. And and eventually, eventually they got to a place of stability. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I, I, I want you to understand that because I really believe that walking in the blessings and purposes of God is a journey. You and I need to remember that the blessings and purposes of God are not instantaneous. We like to believe that God is a God of microwavable miracles. You know, we like to cook that way. At least I do. You just put it in there, three minutes, 30 seconds, you got yourself some dinner. Oh, hallelujah. But then you bring that same theology to God. And He's in no hurry. He's really in no hurry, but we make the life that we're trying to live uh, for God to move in a hurry so many times. Oh, we're going to have some things for you today. We live in this age where we want instant gratification. What what do many of you and I do? The first thing we get out of church, sometimes you do it while you're in church. You're checking your phone notifications. Oh, yeah, I get out of church and then I see uh, so-and-so posted an hour ago. Well, I was preaching an hour ago. Bless God. See, you better block me. We wake up in the morning, before you even get your coffee made, you're checking Facebook notifications, Instagram, Truth Social, Twitter, something, right? Because we want instant. Gra- we want to know what happened while I was sleeping. And we bring that same theology into the kingdom of God, oh yeah. We want everything quick, not understanding how essential the journey really is. Oh, you better really listen up today. And those of you that are note takers, you're going to want to take some. The journey is essential. In other words, some of you would not be where you are right now had it not been for their journey, Sister Teresa. Amen. Oh, yeah. Had it not been for our journey, some of us shared about our journey on on, uh, Good Friday. That service was all about. Let me share my journey. How has the blood of Jesus changed your life? We shared our journey, and you and I would not be where we are had it not have been for the journey. You need to think about something. The people of the Old Testament were sort of nomadic. They were old. They were people that were always moving, living in tents. Uh huh. They weren't building houses because they had to be ready to move when God moved. Oh, yeah. We, we like to build big, luxury, luxurious churches and houses and all of those things. But are you ready if God says move? That's how our culture is in our nation. We, we would consider it weird if we all started setting up tents, right? But the problem with that is, and the reason they did it was because they wanted to be ready. When God said move, they could move. Oh, hallelujah. The God we serve is a moving God. From Genesis to Revelation, he's moving. All through the Bible, he is a moving God. He's moving right now. That's the reason we even play that music behind me when I'm preaching, because he's moving. Right now, he's touching hearts and changing lives. He's moving here in this place and people online and on TV right now. He's a moving God. And what that worship does in the atmosphere is helps to keep the Spirit of God moving. So no demonic influence can come in here and try to squeeze out what God would want you to get. Hallelujah. Say, He's moving. Oh, yeah. Remember that song, He's passing by right now, right? Reach out and touch the Lord. He's passing by. Now, Isaac is a grown man now, but he's on a journey. He's grown and he's on his journey. I want you to understand something. Often, what causes the journey is the famine. God often uses the things that we don't want to experience to get us to move. Uh huh. See, God will often allow us to get our heart broke or someone to betray us. He'll allow a Judas to come into this life. God will often allow us to go into financial hardship, marital issues, to get you and I to move. Because he knows you made a mistake in the first place. And the only way to get you out of it is to make it hard enough for you to get out. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Amen. Amen. I'm so grateful for you, sister, that you are with me today. I know I'm preaching to at least one person. She came ready and hungry. And so God's got a word for you because you're hungry. The Bible says, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness' sake, they shall be filled. Amen. So God will use hardships for our benefit to get us to move, because He's a moving God. But so many times, I I really believe that that our proclivity is, many times, it's often to pray against the famine. I've even watched Christians praying against all the things that are going on in the world, and God's saying, what are you doing? I'm trying to use it to move the church. So our proclivity is often to pray against the famine or pray against the things that are going wrong in this world when God is saying the famine is really the catalyst that God will use to move you and I from one place to another. God's going to use everything that looks like it's going wrong. Everything the news is covering and saying is wrong. God says, oh no, it is just right. It's a setup. This is a setup, I'm telling you. The word proves it. It's a setup. That's why you need to listen to the news and not worry about it. The, the first indication that you don't have the mind of Christ is when you start worrying what they say. Oh, yeah. I know I'm telling the truth because I felt that bounce back. You all start worrying and praying over things. And to, to God, He's saying, This is old news. God says, I've already got this figured out in the plan. God knows the end from the beginning. So it's not catching him by surprise. You might not like to pay $5 a gallon for gas, but God says, I've got you covered. Look what he told Isaac. I'm going to make you prosperous and even more prosperous. In other words, go, go, go get your gas and don't worry. God's got you covered. When you stand there and squeeze that pump and you watch it ticking up, just trust God, would you? Amen. I'm not telling you to bounce your account. I'm telling you to trust God that he's going to be your provider. So please don't come to me when you get your NSF things and say, are you going to pay for these? Because I ain't. That's not what I told you to do. I'm saying to trust God when he says he will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. In other words, God's got this factored into the plan. He knew 50 years ago gas prices would be this. He knew 50 years ago who would be president. It didn't catch him by surprise. So why are you letting it catch you by surprise? He knew 50 years ago that war would break out in Ukraine. So stop freaking out. He knew we'd have a pandemic, and he's not sweating and wringing his hands. So you need to stop sweating too. He's still God. Hey, he was God long before the foundations of the earth. Amen. He was God before you were born. He was God before there was a pandemic. He was God before you had to declare bankruptcy. He was God when you were single. He was God when you are married. He was God long before, amen, all the things that have happened to you, happened to you. He is still the one in control right now. He's factored it into the equation. He knows what the outcome is, so just trust him. Lean on him. That's why he says, trust in me. With all your heart, lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge me and I will direct your paths. In other words, trust me above all else and I'll uh, light your path. I'll lead your footsteps. Even his word says your footsteps are ordered of the Lord. He already knew it. Oh, hallelujah. I better not get too far ahead of myself. Hallelujah. I want you to understand something about God speaking about how he moves god is a god that moves generationally you know what i find out about us so many of us are praying to god about our situations and while you're worried and fretting over your situation god's saying but i'm not a situational god i'm a generational god you better get a hold of what i'm telling you in other words some of our situations are factored in god sees the bigger picture He's saying, you're not going through what you're going through just because uh, I I want to bring harm to you, but it's for the cause of the generation. See, we think in terms of situations. God thinks in terms of generations. I'm going to prove it to you in this message. Yeah, Isaac had to endure some hard times. Even his father had to endure some hard times, but God was thinking generationally. God was planning. God told Abraham, hey, 400 years from now, in other words, it isn't about you. Boy, our society, we want to make everything about us. Everything situational. How do I know that? Because of uh, how we handle social media? Yeah how we handle life, how we fret about the things that's going on and going wrong in our life. We're worried about situations and, and our, in our lives, and yet we're dealing with a God who is not just situational, but he's generational. He says, I'm looking 40, even in, at this time, he was looking 42 generations in advance to Jesus Christ at the time of Abraham. Think about that. He had a plan all the while. He, he wasn't worried about a famine because he knew he, there was a Savior coming. He, he knew. He said, I'm going to come in the form of man as Jesus Christ and be the Savior that this world needs. Hallelujah. See, we often pray about our situations, but God is a God that has plans for the generation, not just for your situation. Are you with me? Hallelujah. See, in other words, God doesn't just move for you. God's moving for your descendants. See, sometimes it's what I'm going through that God's saying, you might be enduring the pain and the discomfort right now, Adam, but it's really for, for the generations beyond you. Yeah. Are you hearing me? Some of us reap the benefits of the hell that our ancestors reaped. Come on. The only reason why we're sitting here and we have some of the freedoms we do is because they dealt with the pain and the difficulties that, that they had to go through so that we can have the luxuries that we have today. Amen. It ain't perfect, but it's better. Amen, because God had a plan. Hallelujah. Are you with me now? Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. A lot of times we get disappointed because God hasn't fixed our situation. But really, God isn't as much concerned about your situation as He is your generation. He thinks generationally. That's the God that He is. Sometimes he doesn't move in our immediate situation so that he can move for the generation. It's bigger than you. Amen. What we're doing right now, all that our church does, it's bigger than us. It's for the generations. Amen. For however long that he tarries, it's for generations that come after us. Hallelujah. We often just focus on our dream, our thing, what we want. We focus on our calling, but we seldom see uh, the the fullness of God's divine strategy, how it's all working. That's why when he says in his word that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose, you've got to understand all things right now are working for his good. Amen. It's part of the generational plan. It, It might be inconvenient for me. In other words, God is saying what I do for the generation is more important than your inconvenience. Oh, that's good. In other words, God's saying, I'm considering the generations beyond and around the world more than I am your situation. So he's he's saying, Adam, if you can just trust me that I am who I say that I am and you can endure a little bit of inconvenience, it will bless the generations. Oh, hallelujah. In other words, when you and I get our heart broke or betrayed or wounded or we're dealing with issues that we think are insurmountable, God's saying it's you're, you're, you're dealing with a little inconvenience, but I promise you it's for it's for the generation. Hallelujah. That's why He told Abraham, hey, I'm, I've got a plan in it. 400 years from now. 400 years from now. Their descendants are going to be blessed and they're going to come out with substance. They're going to have to dwell in Egypt for a while, but they're going to come out with great substance. Amen. Look how God is thinking. God is thinking generationally with Abraham. He's letting him know things are going to be tough and it's going to be difficult. But I want you to know I do have an end date. I have already planned in in this thing a way out. I've planned an expected end date. In other words, God has an expected end date for you too amen there's a day you're going to exit what you're dealing with there's a day we'll wake up and we won't be how we are right now there's a day we're going to wake up and everything will change there's a day that we're going to wake up and everything will have shifted God has already factored it into his plan hallelujah but I want need you to remember while you're praying to God about what you're dealing with in your situation God is really thinking about the generation So when you're praying, you need to make sure you're praying to God and saying, God, just give me the strength to get through my situation so that I can impact the generation. See, get the mind of God in the midst of your praying, and you'll you'll begin to see His hand moving. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. See, this word doesn't always kind of sit well with God's people because... Can we just be honest that some of us are just narcissistic, self-absorbed, got an ego? Uh, I know, not this church. Yes. hmm So it's hard for us to receive a word like this because we're so self-absorbed. And when things go wrong in our life, how many of you know it's all about me? Oh, what'd y'all get quiet for? I mean I must have told something I must have told something true. We are a narcissistic society. And social media has made it even worse. I mean, come on, we all do it. Posting your selfies and and then your filters you use. And some of y'all don't even look like what you look like online. It's nice to meet the real you. Amen. Amen. How many, anybody else? Oh, look. Some of you putting your heads down because your filters are so extreme. Nobody even knows who you are. Your family doesn't recognize you at the reunion when you show up. Hallelujah. I'll be honest, I tried, them. I tried to use a filter for the wrinkles on my forehead, but when I did, it looked like I had Botox, you know. It didn't turn out so good. Uh-huh. So I'm just letting you know it's true. We do it. It's made us to be so concerned about us and our situation. Hallelujah. We've created a society where we think everything is about us. Uh-huh where everything's about us. We got a society where my phone is a great device, right? It keeps all of my memories and my pictures and my context, but it's also uh, caused me to have, to lack intelligence because I couldn't tell you anybody's phone number. Oh, come on. When I was, I'm, I'm old enough, believe it or not, to remember, my sister can remember, when we had to dial a phone number, all we had to dial was four digits. Anybody else had to do that? When we lived in Maryland, I only had to dial, my mom's looking at me like, I'm crazy. Do you not remember? I could call grandma's house and only dial 5480. Because everyone had 301, everyone had 746. Now we're all so narcissistic. We have a phone, we have a house phone, right? We've had, there's so many numbers out there. We've got to have a 1 412 in our area, you know, because everybody needs a phone. Even our kids, they need a phone too so they can. We're, we're just, de- we've just developed little narcissistic clones just like us. And then we wonder why they don't talk to us. Because they're really more concerned about how many likes and comments they can get. They don't need your approval. They got all a TikTok's approval. They don't even need God's approval. They just need TikTok's. Oh, come on. I know I'm telling you the truth now. Oh, little narcissistic children all around. Glory to God. I don't know anybody's phone number, and I had to switch from an Android. I went and bought an Apple, and I haven't been able to figure it out. And so, instead of me having to figure out how to navigate, I just say, "Hey Siri, call Fresh Fire Church." Hey Siri, call my sister. You know, hey, hey Siri, what time is John Eagle? Because it's been too difficult to navigate, and so, but so it's affected my intelligence. I, could, I went to dial my mother's number and I could not remember her number. It's in my phone. What's the point I'm getting at? Sometimes, watch this, sometimes convenience is an enemy to intelligence. Oh, God! We want those microwavable miracles. We want everything to be quick. Siri, help, call... Right? We want we want we want everything right now. We want to check our Instagram notifications, TikTok, all the other things that we have. We want everything to be quick and right now. But hearing what I'm saying, sometimes convenience is an enemy to intelligence. Oh yeah, because we even say we go we we Google scripture. Because it's it's easier and we haven't we've lost the, the technique of the Bible. We'll Google what someone else's theology is about a scripture. Oh, I know I'm telling the truth. Instead of really reading it, meditating and studying. Somebody said, well, how do you put together your messages? I, I get my text and I stare at it. Meditate on it for days and days and days. That's how. I, I, we don't need to know what Adam Clark's commentary or anybody else has to say. Right? If you, if you listen... To the Spirit of God, he'll reveal to you what he's saying. And God, what God is saying, if we're not careful, he was saying to Isaac in preparing Abraham, hey, let you let this be a reminder to you and your sons and all of your descendants' inconvenience. If you're not careful, you'll allow convenience to be an enemy to your intelligence. In other words, don't try to hurry me up. Our society wants everything now, but God's saying, I need you to wait in my perfect timing. Let me fix this in my perfect timing. Amen. Hallelujah. Because what ends up happening is, is it creates an atmosphere that we are so caught up in, 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 in the culture that we expect God to submit to our culture. In other words, we want God to respond to our prayers like Facebook does. When, you, when I post photos of, of my grandson, and some of you have seen, oh, y'all light my page up, liking and comment, oh, how beautiful he is, blah, blah, blah. That's great. Right? And then we want God to respond the same way when I go to him in prayer. I do. I want God to answer me now. Well, everybody on Facebook did. right? You text someone, and I have the luxury now when I text someone, I can see when they read it. Thank you, Apple. So I know when they're intentionally avoiding me. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, I know. Right? And then we expect God to do the same. Well, God, I, I, I see you got it. You even read my text. Basically, because when you pray, he got it, you know, it was received, right? There, there's no delay. There's no translation delay, right? There's no transmission. All right. It, when, when you and I speak and pray, he hears it. And then when he doesn't answer it, you get an attitude with God. Oh, come on. Anybody else get an attitude with God? Why aren't you answering my prayer? Why does it seem like everybody else getting their prayers answered and blessed? But I'm me Mm -hmm. because you want instant messaging. You want an instant reply because that's the society we live in. We want God to bow to our culture. Oh, hallelujah. I know I'm telling you the truth today. Hallelujah. We want God to work like our little machines, like these little phones that we have. That's what we want. God to work as quick and as fast as they do. But God says, no, I've got even more perfect timing. I, I, I know what I'm doing. Hallelujah. So he tells Abraham, hey, 400 years from now, people going to be free but they're going to come out with great substance they're going to come out with great substance you need to understand God has a full plan in store for you God, God sees what you're in looks like God knows what it's going to look like hallelujah thank you Jesus he knows how it's all going to turn out praise God praise you Jesus we want God to give us the updates like our phone does I've learned something. God doesn't give updates like your phone does because the, the reason God doesn't give you updates like Facebook and Twitter and everything else is because it's, it's outdated. God says, by the time you want an update, it's already outdated. God already has the answer in motion. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God says, you don't need an update. You need to trust in me with all your heart, lean not on your understanding. Trust that I've got it covered. When I tell you that all my promises are yes and amen, you have to trust that. That's the only update you need. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's the update you need. Don't don't rely on any other update. When you go to God, the reason I don't pray, I'm not one of those that I go to God and pray and pray and pray for something. No. I've learned that I go to God, I ask Him for it, I walk away, and then I don't mention it again, because if I keep begging them for it, it's just like your kid when your baby, when you have them, they're pulling your pants. They want something at the checkout counter, and you ain't got the money for it. and You're like, shut up! Shut up. If you don't stop it, when I get out of here, I promise you. Oh, I know none of you all ever treated your kids that way. I did. My mom sure did me. Oh, hallelujah! Hallelujah! Happy Mother's Day, ladies. God gave every woman the ability to give you a look that it will just flat scare you to death. Oh yeah, look at some of you right now, hallelujah. I mean, he gave you that, he created that ability where where you know without even a word spoken, you are, you're, you're gonna get it, yeah, yes, hallelujah. No words necessary, corrected with the eyes, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In other words, half the things we're worrying about, God already has set up in place. See, God, in other words, what I'm saying is God is working on something that is generational. The text that we're reading, we're reading about something that is situational. But God is thinking... And planning for something. Oh, are you here what I'm saying? Generational. We're worrying right now in this nation about things that are situational. And God says, nope, but my plan is generational. It's bigger than you and I. It's bigger than the ego of the United States of America, believe it or not. It's bigger than the White House. It's generational. It extends. It's bigger than Fresh Fire Church or Adam Lawson. Amen. We we might think we're all that in a bag of chips, but God says, no, it's bigger than you and your bad self. It's bigger than you and your Facebook and Instagram filters. It's generational. Hallelujah. Praise God. Because the plan is is for more than just your inconvenience right now. God says, I need you to understand, church. You need to be able to endure a little bit of inconvenience because I promise you the plan is working for my greater good. Oh, yeah. The plan of God will astonish the world. Are you hearing me? The jaws are going to drop when they see God doing all that he's going to do. Amen. I, I know pastors Don and, and Deanna are hearing what I'm saying, and they bear witness with it, that, that people in our community, jaws are going to drop. Already, people have been, been wondering, what is going on? I had somebody ask me, what, how are you doing what you're doing? How come your church is able to buy more property, God? What, what do you need that for? I said, that, I said that's not where we're stopping, right? We're not, God's not done yet. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? Amen. Because it's generational. Watch what I'm telling you. You're part of a plan that is generational. Don't worry about your money or any of those things. It's a bigger plan. God has a plan for the generation. And so if God has a plan for the generation, surely he can pay your electric bill. Oh yeah, surely he can take care of, of of whatever it is that you're dealing with right now that seems difficult for you because we're dealing with a God who's generational. Thank you, Jesus. Now the text, I, I've got to hurry. The text is talking about the covenant. God said, I gave a covenant to your father Abraham. He said, Your father's dead now, but he said, I made a promise to your father. Don't you just love about God that God says, even though your daddy's dead, I'm going to honor the promise that I made with him with you. How many of you know that we, we have friends and people in our family, they won't honor their word from one minute to the next. Let alone honor it after, after you're dead. Come on. But we serve a God that says, I'm going to honor my promise down the generation from generation from generation. That's why all of his promises are yes and amen. Yes. And so it shall be. He's saying, whatever I promise them, you get to claim as your own because my word is my word and my word will not return to me void. It won't come. In other words, it's not going to go back to God and not meet what it's been sent out to do. Hallelujah. So he's a God that keeps his word. So stop worrying about your situation because your situation is just part of that's going to affect the generation. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm grateful that God has the integrity to keep his word with a corpse. I mean, think about that. The man is dead, but he says, God is so full of integrity that he says, I'll even keep my, my word, even though the man is dead. In other words, how much more will God keep his word for you? Oh, hallelujah. I know I'm telling you the truth. I'm preaching better than you're receiving this right now. I'm giving you some life-changing stuff right now. If you'll receive this in your spirit, you're going to step out on faith. Some of you are going to step out on faith and do the unthinkable. Hallelujah. The time is now. God needs some people. What did I say last week? That we're going to have some keepers of the flame. They're they're stepping out on faith. Our church is stepping out in faith. All that we're doing, we're stepping out in faith or else I'm crazy. But uh, I believe that it's faith. Amen. That's what it is. It's faith. And if we'll step out on faith, you watch what God will do. That's the God that he is. You and I need to begin to just declare and decree of ourselves. In other words, God is God was saying to Isaac and he's saying to you today, I'm protecting your seed. God was telling and speaking this to Isaac because God was saying, hey, I protected you because you are the seed of Abraham. God is protecting your seed. God is protecting every seed you've ever sown. Let me put it another way. God is protecting your finances. God is protecting your family. God is protecting your daughter. God is protecting your peace. God is protecting your joy. God is protecting all of your resources, all of the promises that he made. He's, he was saying, to Isaac, I've got you covered. I'm protecting everything that, that I promised you. I, I've, I've got it protected. Hallelujah. That's what he's saying. He's protecting you and I. Once God puts you and I in a place like he did Isaac, he puts provision in the same place that he puts you. Sometimes we ask God, God, why am I where I am? It's because God put the provision there that you're going to need. You need to just rest in the fact that where God has you right now, where you're at, where you're dwelling at right now, because it's the same place that God put the provision for you, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Isaac is in a place of his life where he's experiencing a blessing because the text that we read said that Isaac sowed a seed in the land. He's reaping the benefits of what he sowed. I need you to help you understand we didn't get to read everything about the text but the land that he was given or really the land he was renting from the Philistines isn't particularly good land. It wasn't as good as all the land around it. Not at all. He doesn't even own the land. He's just sort of leasing it. But watch what God does. But God blesses him in something that he doesn't even own. Oh, hallelujah. In other words, God will use things to bless you and you don't even have to own it. You don't even have to own the company and God will use the company to bless you. You don't even have to fully own your house yet, but God will use the house to bless you. Or you hear, you might be renting to rent to rent to own. And God says, I'll use it to bless you. Hallelujah. You know what I'm talking about. God says, I can use whatever I desire. I'll pr- put provision right where you need it to be. He, he, he was letting you understand. And I understand that you, you and I don't have to be in the best place for God to bless you in the best possible way. Thank you, Jesus. Isaac had the weakest soil, but yet the Bible, the text that we read said that he he reaped the the greatest and the largest harvest. Are you hearing when I said he had the weakest soil, the rockiest, the, the, the most parched soil, but he planted the seed. But yet the Bible says he had the greatest harvest of all those around him. So much so, remember the Philistines, the harvest was so good the Philistines got envious. He said, we can't even believe this. In other words, when you look, when it looks like to you that you are in a, in a weak place, when it looks like you're not in the, in the best place, like everyone else around you, when it looks like you're in a place that you're not as blessed as those that are near you, I want you to understand that. What that really means is that, is, is that the harvest is abundant and that God is trying to show you that he is with you. God will place you and I sometimes in a weak place and a desolate place because he wants you to trust in the fact that he is with you like he was with Isaac. He, Isaac obeyed and God said I need you to stay here. Dwell here. You and your descendants. I promise I'm going to make it worth your while. You're not getting the best soil but I promise you I will bless you. I will give it to you but be, and because he obeyed God blessed him and God blessed him abundantly. Hallelujah. What I'm trying to say is wherever God is and whatever God is doing, he will take less and God will always do more with it. Hallelujah. Some of us are an example how God took less and he did more of it. Some of us, where we came from, what we had to go up through and to see where you and I are today that you made it out. God took less and he did more with it. Amen. God took you from the trailer park. Amen. Turned you in from trailer park trash to where you are today. Hallelujah. God brought you from the back hills of wherever you were or out of the projects or brought you up out of poverty. And the reason you're able to sit here today, some of us are set free from some kind of addiction, uh, alcohol, drugs, something, and look where you are today, my God, because God can always take less and do more with it when people give up on you. God says, nope, it's this part of my plan for the generation. See, some of you got to start getting a kingdom mindset about what you went through. It is for the generation. So get up off your derriere and start using it for the benefit of the kingdom of God, because what you endured is for the kingdom. It's for the generations that come after you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. It's bigger than you. That's why we sang earlier, when I'm weak, he makes me strong. When I'm poor, he makes me rich. Amen. Because it's bigger than you. My God, just, just just, shout to the devil right now. I made it. Amen. He, he tried to keep you from being where you are right now. I know I say it all the time. I may not be where I want to be, but I'm certainly not where I used to be. Amen. You might not be perfect yet. That's what I love. I'm going to have to just Wrap this thing up and take you where I need to go. What I'm trying to get to the point of telling you and I today is that you and I may not be where we want to be, but we're not where we used to be. The enemy wants you and I to try to think that somehow God is not going to bless you because you're still a a, a wretched creature because you still have some messed up things in your life. But the devil is a liar. Isaac proves that and proves that well. Isaac lied. Amen. And then his son Jacob was even worse yet. Oh, but God, how many times in the Word do we see, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. If he can be the if he can be the God for a lion, hypocritical, messed up messed up group of people, surely he can be God that is big enough for you. In other words, stop trying to expect me to be perfect and you act like you got your stuff all together. You're not perfect either. Hallelujah. But God is God for me when I'm telling you the truth, and God is also God for me when I get my tongue to lying. Hallelujah. I know some of you are having trouble with this because you you were taught different, but it's in the Word. You can't argue with how he lays it out. God blessed a guy who just lied. In the midst of God blessing and being provision for him, God just said, I'm going to bless you anyway. Why? Because God says, I'm not concerned with your situation. I'm concerned with your generation. That's why I always have church people ask me, I just don't understand why people so evil get blessed because it ain't about you. I know we are narcissistic and we like to wonder why a so-and-so is blessed and we're not. Because God said, I had to give it to someone who I could take it from. God knows that sometimes we're so narcissistic that once he gives it to you, you won't give it. Uh-huh. I watch. God will use people in the world to bless the kingdom of God. Because so many times the people in the kingdom won't bless Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because God is a God that He's thinking about the generation. Aren't you glad? He's thinking beyond your mess right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Glory, glory, glory. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Praise you, mighty God. I think sometimes we need to give God more praise for the progress that we have in our life. I don't think we give God enough praise that, that, uh, Lord, I thank you for the progress that is in my life. God, I thank you. I I know I'm taking one day at a time, but God, I I thank you that I've made this much progress. God, I thank you uh, that you got me through another day. God, I thank you that I I didn't slip up and make the same mistake I did last week. God, I thank you that I'm not the same heathen I was a year ago. God, I thank you that I don't have the same gossip and tongue that I did two years ago. Are you here? I know you're all perfect, church. But uh, God, I thank you that I didn't cuss nobody out yesterday or today. God, I thank you. Are you hearing me? See, that's the way you need to begin to thank God. See, we have such an uppity-up, nose-in-the-air attitude in the church. And, and, and then when I show you who I really am, you all get disappointed. See, let, let me break this down for you. Can't I just be real for a moment? We warned you all on Facebook, get ready. Some of you all just didn't come ready enough. Now you're shocked because I'm telling the truth. <laughs> problem we have so many times with people is here's what we do in the church and this is the reason why church in general has gotten a bad rap and this is the reason why we have to change that in our community in our city that's why we've been saying we're going to take it by force I want the community to see that I'm not perfect I like it that they see me in my shorts and hey dudes and flip flops are you hearing me I like it when they can see me even lose my temper. I know that freaks some of you religious people out. And the reason is is that we've created a bar that's so high that most of the people that our churches sit near don't feel like they'll ever be able to reach it. Because we dress perfect. We act perfect and we won't cuss on the church property, but boy, you'll light it up on the road going home you don't want nobody to see that. See, I appreciate real people. People let stuff fly in front of me and I don't, you know, I'm just like, well, yeah. it's, not that I, it's not that I want them to be disrespectful. It's just I also give them the grace to let God do the work and I'm not going to do the correcting. Mm. The problem and the reason someone said to me, this, Pastor, can you tell me why I keep getting hurt? Yeah. So I'll tell you exactly why you keep getting hurt. I said, come Sunday and I'll give you the answer. They didn't come. But I'll tell you, sometimes some of us keep getting hurt and wounded over and over again because what we do in the church so perfectly is we're really good at putting people in boxes. Let me say it, or labels, I know. Nobody wants a label nowadays, but the church, we're perfect at that. We'll say things like, oh, she's nice. Oh, I like him. He's a good man. Oh, she, she is a hot mess. I'll, I'll, I'll be nice. We we put people in categories, and then we expect them to live up to that category that we place them in. So as long as you say, "Oh, he's a good man," but then the minute he does something that you don't see as good, you get hurt. Oh, and you don't even consider that. Oh, Lord, help me. You don't even consider that one that you've labeled to be a hot mess. Nasty. She's nasty. You don't even consider them to be anything else other than nasty, because we've already determined she nasty. Oh, I know. Y'all looking at me like you've never, never given anybody a title like that. Aren't there some people, either your neighbor or your family or your friends or someone at work, you just don't associate with because you say she's nasty. And so you don't even give her a chance because you've already determined she's nasty. And then one day she sh- shows up nice and you see another side and you're just like, you know, I don't trust her. So now she's nasty and now you don't trust her because you saw another version. But what you've forgotten is that you have a few versions of your own. And then when you do something that allows me to be able to see another side of you, you want me to accept you and embrace you. But then you get mad when the preacher loses his temper. Oh, come on. I'm telling you the truth. Aren't you hearing what I'm saying today? Hallelujah. See, I told you I'm going to give you some stuff that's going to help you. In other words, stop trying to put labels on people and putting people in a box. Yeah, they may. She might look nasty. She might even dress nasty. But understand, you have some nasty things about you. Sometimes I, sometimes I can have a nasty attitude. Cross me and you'll find out. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Sometimes I can just explode in anger. I, I sent out a prayer request to a pastor and I said, I need you to pray. I, I am just on the verge of exploding. I was, I mean, I was so angry. I was trembling. I said, if you don't pray, I said, I feel like my eyes are going to pop out of my head. And I said, I need you to pray with me because I was one of those people. If you'd have seen me that day, I was more than just pastor. Oh, hallelujah. I was irate and furious and angry. I had fired up a few people. You understanding what I'm saying? I had just let them have it. Amen. I know all the religious people are going to get mad and think, oh, that's not Christ-like. Really? Even Jesus got angry and threw the tables up. Don't even come for me. Hallelujah. Oh, God, I'm giving you truth today. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God Almighty, I got to get going here. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Isaac standing in the middle of a famine. There's so much more I want to cover, but I'm going to. Isaac standing in the midst of a famine. And yet he's flourishing. He's flourishing. I need you to hear the word of the Lord. Although we're going to endure things that look like a famine. I promise you when I tell you you're going to flourish. I'm not talking about just a famine of food. I'm talking about a famine of joy and a famine of your peace. Where is all your peace and your joy? It's a famine of it. Isaac is standing in the middle of a famine, flourishing. I want you to keep something in mind. Isaac's name means laughter. Oh, hallelujah. In other words, God wanted me to give you this word because he needs some of you to get your laughter back. Enjoy the journey. The whole purpose of this word is so that you and I can get a hold and we can just enjoy the journey of life. Not not taking and accepting everything as a personal attack. Just because they Facebooked about you, tweeted about you, good God. Just because they don't like you or they didn't talk to you today, it ain't about you. Get your laughter. Don't let anything that someone does or doesn't do to you take your laughter. In the midst of this famine, God wants you to get your laughter back. The gas prices may go up even more. We might pay even more for food. The war in Ukraine may break out even better. Our country might get even more divided, but don't lose your laughter. Because we are going to be in the midst of whatever kind of famine it is, but we are going to flourish. Are you hearing me? Because the word gave us a promise. He said, if you obey me and you'll stay where I tell you to stay, I will bless you and your descendants. Hallelujah. Isaac was a good man, but he was a complicated man. Some of us in this place, we are good people, but we are also complicated people. That's the point I'm trying to drive home to you. Isaac was not a perfect man. He was complicated. I'm complicated. Some of you all in this place are complicated people. We're not always easy to get along with. That's why I said don't categorize people as good or bad or whatever. Because we're all flawed. Give everybody the grace to be who they are. The freedom to fail. I tell everybody that steps into leadership with the church or any of our pastors we ordained. I said right now. So now that you're ordained, now that you're under this leadership, I want you to know you have the, you have, you, you have the freedom to fail. In other words, don't try to act and be something you're not. Don't try to act like you always have to have the answer and you've always got to get it right because I expect you to fail. Are you hearing me? It immediately takes all the pressure off of people to to, to not, they don't, they feel like they don't have to perform. Some of you all need to tell your spouse, honey, you have the freedom to fail. Take the stress off of that woman. Oh, come on. It's Mother's Day. That they don't have to get every meal right. It doesn't have to be a five-course ninth dinner. Amen. You don't have to put the plates out for McDonald's that we picked. Are you hearing me, somebody? The house doesn't always have to look perfect. Give somebody the, the grace and the freedom to fail. Good God Almighty, I'm preaching to somebody. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Remember I told you that Isaac lied about who his wife was, saying it was his sister. Have you ever considered why he lied? Keep in mind his daddy lied too. The same thing. So why did he lie too? Why did he lie? Just like most most lies, lies are always rooted in fear and torment. In other words, he lied because he was afraid of what the king would do to his wife. In other words, his wife was so fine. He was afraid the king would take his wife as his own wife. He says, I'm going to make him think it's my sister. My point is, is the next time someone lies to you, give them a little grace. Because the reason they lied in the first place is it's rooted in fear and simply say, what are you afraid of? See, when someone lies to us, what do we do? We get instantly angry. I can't believe you're lying. You know how to diffuse them and tear down that wall? What are you afraid of? Ask your child, honey, what are you afraid of? Are you afraid I won't love you? Are you afraid I won't accept you? What are you afraid of? Ask him when someone lies to you, what is it that you're afraid of? Hallelujah. 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 I love this text because in spite of him being lying one minute, What I see is God leaps over the lie to bless him anyway. God just jumped right over top of the lie. The fact that he had put his wife in danger because he lied. I don't have time to get into it, but he put his wife in grave danger by lying. And God says, I love you so much and you're a part of my generational plan. I'm going to bless you anyway. That's why some people get so blessed the way that they do because God says in spite of all their messed up situation that they are, I'm going to bless them anyway. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. God blessed him anyway, because God says, I got a plan. I got a plan. And even though I went through it with your daddy, Abraham, and he lied too, I found out why. Isaac lied cuz he lied cuz he thought he was protecting the something that he loved but he actually ended up putting her in more danger. But Abimelech went through this too with Abraham. The very same scenario and situation happens. And the reason that Abimelech did not touch the wife of Isaac even after Isaac lied was Because when Abraham lied to him, God told Abraham, don't you dare touch that woman. And Abimelech was afraid of God. In other words, God stopped it. There are some things that should have happened to us that God stopped. The reason some of us are here right now, come on, God stopped it. The reason you didn't lose your mind God stopped it. The reason you didn't kill yourself was because God stopped it. The reason you weren't killed and you know you should have been dead, all the stuff you were up to. Hallelujah. But God stopped it. Amen. God stopped some of our enemies from doing to us what they would have liked to have done to us. Amen. I would have been destroyed, but God stopped it. Amen. I would have been bankrupt, but God stopped it. Or is that, or is anyone hearing me today? I, I would have been messed up more than I am, but God stopped it, amen. I, 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 I would have, have been killed by something or by myself, but God stopped it. God stopped it. See, you and I need to be a people that we will give God praise for all the things that He stopped. We've got to be able to give God praise for all the things that He stopped, the things He's stopping right now. <coughs> I want you to have the ear to hear this. Glory to God. The same Philistines that gave Him that land, got envious. And they took it out. They, they, they told him that he had to get. They got so envious and the, over how God blessed him. And Isaac sowed his seed. And the Bible says that Isaac reaped a hundredfold. Any farmer will tell you, if you plant a hundred seeds, you're not going to get a hundred things to, to grow. But Isaac did. Every seed he planted, he, he received a harvest from. And the Philistines got jealous of it. God wants you and I to understand that we are in, remember I told you we are entering a season of harvest, that God wants you and I to understand out of this text that He gave me and and laid on my heart that you and I are entering an unprecedented season of harvest at the highest level. Oh, I know, you better receive it better than that. Oh, glory. In other words, it won't be just 30, it won't be just 60, it won't just be 90. He's saying you're gonna receive an unprecedented harvest in other words, the joy you've been doing without, you're going to get it back 100-fold. The peace you've been doing without, you're going to get it back 100-fold. Maybe the finances you've been doing without, you'll get it back 100-fold. Why? Because of the seeds that you have sown, because of what you have invested in the in the ground, you're going to have an unprecedented season of harvest. Hallelujah. Why do I say that? Because God is up to something. God was up to something in the text that we are reading, and he, something He sure did. God is up to something. Something in this hour that we are living in and something we are sure seeing Him do. Amen. Everywhere that your foot trods, just like Isaac, everywhere your foot trods, everything that you go after, God is going to give you a hundredfold return. That's what He did for Isaac. That's what He'll do for you. The promise that he gave Abraham is the promise that Isaac reaped a benefit from. It's the promise that even Jacob himself walked in. It's the same promise that you and I are walking in today. A hundredfold return in the name of Jesus for all that you have sown. Amen. Hallelujah. Everything that looked out looked like it was going wrong is about to go right. Thank you, Jesus. It may have looked like I was doing without. It might look like we we're in the worst part of town. Oh, but God is up to something. Is somebody here in the word I'm given today? I know it looks like poverty up and down this side of town, but God is up to something. Will you just watch what God is going to do? I'm telling you, watch what God is going to do. He's doing it even right now. He's doing it right now. He's going to take the, the most desolate, worst looking soil like he did with Isaac. And the greatest harvest that could come is going to come out of this place. My God, as you all get ready to hit these streets and we get ready, watch the harvest that God is going to bring. I'm telling you right now, watch the harvest that God is going to bring. Somebody is going to agree with me today. I believe it. It might look like weak soil. Others have dismissed this side of town. I mean, come on. Some of you that don't live right here, you don't understand. I mean, even the Popo dismissed this side of town. Mm Mm-hmm. Drive up and down. Pull people over because of what they look like. They do. They gave up. Shootings that have been happening. Why? Because... People gave up. They said, that soil's just weak. Oh, but God gave us a word today. God is up to something. God says, I'll take that weak, unproductive, unflourishing soil. And because of the seeds that you have sown. Oh, God. That child that looks like they're not turning out right. God says, oh, because of the seeds that you have sown. Things in your life that haven't been working out. God says, oh, because of the seeds that you have sown. You're going to reap an unprecedented harvest. Hallelujah. You're going to reap an unprecedented harvest. Will you stand at your feet right now? I want to close with this thought. The Philistines took his land twice and Isaac gave it to him twice and he left. And Isaac, when he left that land, Isaac named the land Strife, Oh God. There's a word in there for somebody in this place where that you would leave behind the strife in your life today. For God to take you to the place that He has you, He needs you to walk away from strife. Let me put it another way. God needs you to walk away from the drama. How I many you know some people that are full of drama? I told Pastor Darley yesterday, he said, Oh, can I please? He laughed so hard. He said, can I please steal this? I said, sure. He said, I'm going to steal it and use it if I can't. I said, you can steal it. I said, I said, Pastor, there's some people, they have so much drama. I said, if, if drama was a drug, they'd be a pharmacy. that's true. What this word is about is in order for God to take you where you need to go, you need to let go of the drama. The people who are always producing strife in your life. You need to love them at a distance. You need to be, you need to move into the place that God has for you. Sometimes that means letting go of the very thing you might love. that You might have wished it turned out different or better people that you keep seeing potential in that they can't even see in themselves, and all you end up doing is getting hurt Isaac said I trust in God and his promise more than I need this drama in my life always taking my harvest always taking my overflow getting jealous of me every time I start to succeed so he said I'll go and he moved on and he went to the place where his daddy had dug wells and he starts digging some of you need to start digging. You need to grab a shovel and just start digging right where you are. Because the Bible says, if I can summarize it, sum it up for you. The Bible says that as he dug, he dug the first one and the second. one. Finally, when he dug it the third time, he struck. And The Bible says that he was blessed with an unprecedented blessing. More than enough. More than he ever needed. Are you hearing me today? that all along, even when it looked like people got envious and jealous and people were going to take away his very blessing from him, God had a plan. God had something in store. Amen. If you will hear the word of the Lord and you will believe that God is up to something, and if you'll be willing to walk away from the drama in your life, God has prepared for you a place right where the wells are, and it was a place that was called Rehoboth, a wide place. God wanted me to give this word for one simple reason, to let this church know let you know if you're here, this word is for you. If you're watching online, this word is for you. If you're watching on TV, this word's for you. That this day, in about two minutes, you're going to step into your Rehoboth. This whole word, everything that I shared was about getting you ready to walk away from the things that you've been holding on to dear life. with. If you'll just walk away right now, whatever people have tried to take from you, let them have it. Because I promise you, God has joy waiting on you. He has peace waiting on you in your Rehoboth. Rehoboth meaning your wide place. You felt closed in, you felt like you were on the verge of losing everything. You've been panicked about what's going on in the world. You're about to step into your wide place. How do I know? Because when I give this altar call and we always close giving our tithes and offerings, yeah, we're gonna close, we're gonna have you come forward and you can sow your tithes and offerings. But not only are you gonna step into your wide place to your Rehoboth when you respond to this altar call, It's prophetic today. I didn't just give this word to make you laugh and get you excited and to send you home. I usually preach a Mother's Day message on Mother's Day. I couldn't. Because this was a word that I needed you to know. The place that God has prepared for you and it's a wide place. It's a place of of great abundance, of unprecedented blessing. When we step out of of your seat into this aisle, into the front of this church, I'm believing that you are officially stepping into your Rehoboth. That you're going to let behind everything that has been depleting, everything that has been taking from you, your joyless, peaceless life. Joy is going to meet you in Rehoboth. I want some of you to have smiles like you've I want some of you to laugh. It's about time the joy of the Lord hits this place. If you've never experienced, I mean, where you were all belly rolling laughing on the floor while I'm trying to preach. it's been a little while that kind of joy where where, where you get some bad news and you just laugh at it is anyone else as crazy as me that sometimes you will be alone by yourself sometimes i'll cry the most when i'm alone or when i'm driving but then sometimes something that god reminds me of in his word it'll make me just laugh because then i remember what the devil meant for evil. God will turn for good. Amen. That a thousand may fall at one side and 10,000 the other, but it won't come near me. That I am more than a conqueror through Christ. In other words, come mess with me, devil. Can't touch this. Nah, 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 nah. Come on, you just get, you break out on laughter because you realize He is not as big and as bad and as powerful. Yes, he attacked you and your family this year. Yes, he took things away from you. Yes, he made us think he was going to take people from our families. But the devil is a liar. Why? Because he can't touch this. Because of the promises that God gave that you and I are reaping the benefit from. So now today, on this Mother's Day 2022, you're stepping into your Y place, your Rehoboth. Without any delay in this place, The best Mother's Day you ladies can receive, every woman in this place is your wide place. The place that it's okay to fail. It doesn't all have to be perfect and you don't always have to be perfect. God's going to bless you with an unprecedented blessing. This morning as you respond to this altar call, if you're giving an offering, bring it with you because we're going to pray over that too. If you would, if you were ready to step into your Rehoboth, your wide place, come and stand. Join us together. We're going to pray together. You say, yes, I'm ready. I'm leaving my drama behind. Yes, I'm leaving strife behind. I'm leaving people behind that are full of strife and drama. Yes, I'm going to love them, but I got to love them from my wide place. Hallelujah. I'm going to, I need some room in my wide place to dance and to, to have my peace and to have my joy. Yes. Hallelujah, hallelujah. They didn't give you your joy and they're not going to take your joy away. They didn't give you your peace and they're not going to take your peace away. My God, God's given you this and God's the only one that can take it and He's not taking it. Hallelujah, because He's a man of His word. Remember, he's a, he's a God of integrity. I'm stepping into my wide place. I'm stepping into my Rehoboth. As you stand there, if you're standing with a spouse, be sure to grab their hand. Grab your hand of someone near you, will you do that? I believe in, in transference. I believe that if one of you steps in, all of you will step in. I believe when one of you gets blessed this morning, it'll pass on to the other. That's how God works. It's how he operates. We're going to pray. And we're going to believe God. that as we pray that prophetically, we're stepping into our Rehoboth. God is up to something. God is up to something. I want, right now, I want you to take 30 seconds to consider what you're leaving behind. Because, see, I know how some of you are, that you, you, you say, and you're here, and you're standing here like you're going to leave strife and drama behind, but then you're going to feel guilty. Don't you feel guilty about where God's taking you? You're an inheritor of God. Even the Bible says you're a joint heir of Him, meaning you, you, you're an inheritor of His stuff of His blessing, of His abundance, don't you dare start feeling guilty for how God's blessing you. Some of you, even now, you feel guilty because God blessed you. Stop. God blessed you because He knew He could trust you to steward it. You don't have anything to explain or anything to prove. So I want you to consider right now who and what you might be having to leave behind. I'm not saying you have to ostracize them. I'm saying them keep them at a distance. Because they're infecting your peace. They're infecting your joy. They're a, they're a leech that just keeps sucking. They're a parasite. Are you hearing my parasites come to deplete and to take away? My God, protégés come to, to, to take what you can give, to, take, to, to, to carry on what you are. Are you hearing I me? Mean, there's a difference. Some of you need to reject the parasites in your life. They're, they're doing nothing. They're just sucking the life right out of you. And, and, you're, and you're the yo-yo going from life to lifeless over and over and over and over again. I'm going to tell you something. God loves you enough. He needs you to leave some distance between them and you. I'm giving this word for somebody. See, God is your refuge, so let Him be your refuge. Let Him move you and then listen to Him now that He's moved you into your Rehoboth. Trust Him now. And now dig your well. Dig your well. And digging your well means you have to leave those Philistines and those envious people behind. They can't go where you're going. Not everybody can go where you're going. They they were meant to be a season. They are not. There's some of you that people, the people you're with and you associate with now, they can't go where you're going because they're not where you are. Consider what you're leaving behind right now and don't mourn it. You hear me, are you hearing me? Don't mourn it. Walk away, but bless them. Walk away, but bless them. Bless them because you don't need to mourn because there's no more drama. There's no more strife. You're in your wide place. Now, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus over your people. I know God that I gave a word. For people in this room today. Father, I pray by your Spirit. Father, I pray that prophetically, as they stepped out of their and out of their row and they stood in the front of this church, that God now they have prophetically and most certainly stepped into their, their, to their Rehoboth, their place of unprecedented blessing, their place to receive a hundredfold. We leave behind all drama and strife and the people that are the the, the the sowers of it and we step into our wide place where God will begin to begin to dig our wells and the great and mighty harvest comes God as a church we're stepping into our wide place on behalf of our city on behalf of our county that Lord you're going to take what looks like broken and depleted soil and you're going to give us a great harvest for the kingdom This city and our county has suffered greatly. But it's suffered for the generation. And now, God, you're going to do great and mighty and powerful things through this place. You're going to do great and mighty and powerful things through every person assembled in the front of this room today. And God, we even today brought our seed that we're going to sow into this brand new wide place, into our Rehoboth. God, we're not just going to step into our Rehoboth. God, today I'm sowing into my Rehoboth. I'm sowing my seed that I can reap my hundredfold blessing. And so, Father, today I pray that you will bless these people, bless these women on Mother's Day, bless every woman, bless every man as we have stepped into our hope with God. May this be a week of seeing your prophetic word fulfilled. God, unlock ridiculous blessings that begin to overtake and tackle these people. Let your blessings just begin to tackle them, overwhelm them, See, to even surprise them that, that they, they saw it answered that quick. God, let unprecedented blessing pour out on this place, on these people, on our church, over our city, in the name of Jesus. God, unlock ridiculous favor ridiculous favor favor that doesn't make any sense favor that makes people say that ain't fair favor that makes people say how'd they get that promotion favor that makes people say well where'd they get all the money for that favor that makes people ask questions and god all of our answer can just be is god oh it's god oh oh oh, i'm sorry favor just didn't fair oh hallelujah thank you jesus so lord i i seal these up in the name of jesus Let there be nothing missing, lacking, or broken over the life anymore in the wide place. And the Rehoboth and the place of Rehoboth, you have entered in. I decree and I declare, let the remainder of this year be, be a year full of ridiculous blessing and overflow. Let this entire year be a year full of you being in your Rehoboth. Let, let, let every weapon that's formed against you not prosper, and every tongue that rises against you, it shall be condemned. We, in fact, Father, I pray every weapon and fiery dart that people and things and the enemy would fire at these people be turned around and fired back at the devil himself, and every person that. Fires, one of fires. Let every tongue that rises against you, whatever they decree over these people, let it turn around and get those people in the name of Jesus. Because, Lord, I decree your word over them. And your word, God, will not return void. So, Lord, I say this is now the growing season. Let the harvest begin to grow. Let it begin to take form. Let them receive their hundredfold harvest in this year. And we give you the glory. We give you the honor. And, God, we give you the praise. And we bless you and we thank you today for the wide place in In the name of Jesus Christ, we receive it, we believe it, and we declare it in Jesus' name, church. Shout amen. 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 God bless you, everybody. God bless you. As you leave today, you leave in your Rehoboth, in your wide place, in the name of Jesus. Sow your seed on your way out today. Sow your seed into your Rehoboth in the name of Jesus. God bless you. God bless you. Hallelujah. Have a beautiful day and week in the name of Jesus.